Delco. What is Delco? Urban Dictionary, maybe the best definition of any place in the history of any place. Delco is the nickname for Delaware County, not just a place to live, it's a way of life. Delco isn't something you obtain with a short visit while you're passing through. Never has been, or don't actually live here, you just won't understand. Delco is something you can spot across the bar while out of town. Speaking of bars, there's 42 to 1 ratio when it comes to bars to libraries. And it's cool to be a 26-year-old bar back. You're just waiting for your build big break. Delco people love being from Delco. I don't know if there's anything special from Delco, except being a Delco guy, I kind of like it. All right, what is up, Delaware County? And welcome back for episode number 35 of Delco Baseball Now. My name is Brennan Ricciardi. I am joined through Zoom today by one Ben Thorpe. Ben, what, what beach are we at right now? Uh, we're down at uh, Brigantine. It's a beautiful little effort. For those that don't know, it's, I guess, like right across the inlet from Atlantic City. Beautiful town. Been going here my whole life. Having, having a great week so far. It's nice to not work. Does your family have a house down there? Do you guys rent or what? Uh, yeah, so it's my, it's my grandparents' place. So like, um, so it's my dad and like all my aunts and uncles. We all split it uh, throughout the summer. So this is we all we get we kind of get like a week week or a week and a half two weeks. So th- this is our like time to go down. Usually like mid to early August. I love it. I love it. Well, we've we've deserved this vacation. Uh, it's been a long season of Delco baseball that has unfortunately come to an end in terms of just the Delco specific team. So our media Little League guys were knocked out of the Little League World Series on Sunday. Ben and I got to go on Wednesday for the first game of the trip. Ben, that was your first experience in Williamsport. What'd you think of it? I it was like I don't even know. It was awesome. I, I kind of it was one of those things where like I. I've loved watching the Little League World Series since I don't even know since I started it. Probably I think like the first time I ever saw it was the year that uh, that team from Georgia hit the walk off bomb, um, and like since then I was hooked. So like, you know, watched it every year, played the video games, like, and you kind of like see all the stuff about that like over TV and and all that, and like just to kind of be up there and experience it in person was unbelievable. And then like to have a team from media up there is also just absolutely insane so it was it was an incredible i I had a great time just wandering the outfield yeah i mean i would have had a great time even if media wasn't in it just being there i mean that's a goaded video game little league world series baseball 2009 on the Wii. unbelievable which is even funnier to think about that these kids weren't even alive these media kids weren't even alive on that game when we were playing that yeah they don't even know like the they don't know the struggle of like picking what bat you want for your little yep. creative player and shit. Like, yeah. Oh God, that game is so good. I think I still have it too. Oh, I definitely still have it for sure. Um, all right. So let's talk about this tournament. So the last time we recorded was before they went and we kind of figured, you know, it's, it's hard to pick and choose when to record since a, we were on the road so much and B we just, you know, never knew what the bracket was going to look like. So they started off, Ben and I were at the first game. They lost two to one against Texas. It was a very good game. The Texas pitcher, was chucking uh and and you know that was just a game where unfortunately it just kind of came down to like who was going to make the mistakes and at the end of the day texas just you know 
made a couple less mistakes and they won that game. But, you know, that team has just ran through the the winner's bracket undefeated so far. And, like, media, man, they were right there in that game. It's a shame. Yeah, though, I think it shows, like, I don't know. I feel like after watching them that first game, we were kind of like, oh, like, there's probably some really good teams in this bracket, just kind of having not seen everyone yet. And then, like, to see that Texas team go through, I think you you kind of saw, like, how close to me, like, even though they went out and I don't even know technically what round it was, but kind of, like, somewhat early in the loser's bracket, it shows how close they really were to um, some of those, like, top teams and, like, how just, you know, one or two things going your way or not going your way can really, like, can take you from literally – being out in three games to being in the U.S. championship game. It's it, there was there's only a lot of like very fine margins this year. Yeah. And there's a couple of things that unfortunately didn't go their way. Like obviously they had to play the play in game. So a team that is already short on pitching because Chase D'Ambrosio broke his elbow now has yeah, an additional game that they shouldn't, you know, I, I won't say shouldn't have had to. Like it was luck of the draw, but you know, there was a path yeah, where, yeah, like there was a path where had they not had to play that play in game. They could have gone 3-0 and then been in the U.S. championship. Um, so that was unfortunate. But they bounced back on Saturday with a win. Nate Seleski had a huge hit in the sixth inning to push them over Maine. Also threw a runner out in the bottom of the sixth. And I don't know. It's just like one of those things I love when like one player is able to make so, so many big plays, like offense and defense in a game. And this whole summer, media's kind of had those games where, like, you know, obviously it, it takes a whole team to win. But, like, different players have left their mark on different games. And I felt like that was kind of like the Seleski game, you know? Yeah, no, it's been cool. I feel like there's been, there's been throughout, like you kind of, like you said, there's been a guy to step up at every turn this entire season. It's been, it's been really cool to watch. Yeah. So that was, uh, you know, at the end of the day, like you want to win the whole thing, but just going there and winning a game is an awesome feeling. Uh, they didn't have much time to think about that one though because they got right back to work on Sunday. So I was able to go to this game with my dad where our media guys played Rhode Island. They uh, they lost a tough one. that was 2-2 going into the sixth. The wheels kind of fell off there. But, I mean, the story of this game was the fact that the entire Phillies lineup was in the stands watching with the media parents. Like, that was – it almost felt like I was in a dream. Like, I'm standing there, you know, with my camera and my phone just like wa- watching like Bryce Harper, like talking to media parents and like, the, I mean, when I see the whole roster, I mean, coaches, I mean, players, I mean, I had a conversation with Scott Fransky and Greg Murphy, like in the press box, like they, they brought Dave Dombrowski and John Middleton were there, like the whole entire organization was there. And that just kind of speaks to like what the Phillies organization is and how much they care. Yeah. And no, I was, I can't imagine how cool that was for the guys from media to like, see i'm assuming they're all phillies fans like see their heroes there, like cheering them on and it's kind of funny from like the flip side being that kid from like rhode island that gave up you know like you have like the hellbergs they're the big one is the hellberg single where like they're all doing the double celebration like giving up a game tying hit and then just like turning and seeing an entire mlb roster actively cheering against you is like that's got to be like a little bit shaking it is, and I mean, credit to Rhode Island for bouncing back. They put up five in the top of the sixth. Oh, yeah, 100%. That's just like, you know, I man, I would have – I mean, either way, you think about it, like, you know, you're either having your idols watch you or, you know, MLB players root against you. I probably would have folded in either 
situation. Uh, but just oh yeah, no, there's I would have no chance. There. Yeah, no, uh, just, just such a cool atmosphere environment. Uh, I unfortunately was denied credentials to go to cover that game, which I mean I wasn't necessarily surprised by. I was talking to a kid who was uh, a freelancer for the Inquirer, and he said that they didn't get credentials. I'm like, all right, well, if the Philadelphia Inquirer doesn't get credentials for that game, then I don't think I was going to get them. Yeah, then you're talking about the the MLB game, right? Yeah, the actual or, Phillies game, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, overall, like, this whole media summer was just such a blast. I mean, we can go back, you know, Ben and I were not to toot our own horns, but one of the few people that we've been with this team since the beginning, right? Like, we went to watch them play a couple games in districts, sectionals, states like we we were with them you know the entire road and we got to kind of see like got to learn a lot about this team and got to you know become you know friends with a lot of the players on the team and we wrote a a list down here of a couple of our favorite moments here and I think it it feels like so long ago that this happened but I mean the summer really at the end of the day like they would have been happy with the fact that they just beat Aston Middletown in districts yeah that was like it's it's insane. Like it, it is insane to kind of think back to even like because when we were out at the game, they played Ridley and Aston had lost to Marple in the same day, and like kind of the energy there, finding that out, it's crazy to kind of think like we we're going from there, like talking about like a district game and like a team in districts that was going to be tough to like now you're in the Little League World Series. Yeah, and and you know, so Tommy Bradley, I've mentioned this on the show before. I play with him the Delco League. Um, Good kid, good, good catcher. We missed him in the championship, but you know, talking to him, I remember, you know, when they did all their like off season work, they did their hitting sessions, they did whatever. Like, obviously, every team's goal is to go all the way, but like their goal was to beat Aston and win districts. Like, obviously, you want to win states, you want to go to Williamsport, you want to do whatever, but like, you know, when they woke up pissed off and and got their work in, is because they wanted to take down Aston and. You know, that goes way back and they had so many more memories, but like just being there that night when they beat Aston at Haverford, like you would have thought they just won the Living World Series based on the look on their faces. Yeah, I mean, that's like it is weird because it I guess because they are kind of like the local district opponent. And that was kind of the goal, especially like again, seeing how they're like as far as they went. But I guess the other thing was like when we were talking about Aston dominated like the state like it wasn't it is like your main local rival but in the same sense you also just they just knocked off the defending state champions as well so like i don't know it's kind of like a huge it was like it was a huge deal yeah yeah and it kind of reminded me a little bit of when the phillies beat the cardinals last year because it was kind of one of those things where it's like anything after that like you're playing with house money like you didn't even think you'd be this far so now it's like you know you have no pressure at this point because you're just like, oh, well, we already did what we, in a way, like set out to do. So now it's just like, all right, let's just have fun and like see how far we can go, right? Um, but I, I will say that in the Little League World Series, you know, some of the things that had made the team so successful were kind of their Achilles heel. Like, you know, they were a little sloppy in the field compared to what they usually were. But I think the thing I was more surprised about was some of the mental mistakes. You know, like they were a team that was rock solid all year. And, you know, it it's not to like, call them out but it's just like yeah i mean obviously you're going to be nervous when you're playing in front of that many people naturally that sometimes everything just happens so fast but at the end of the day it was that and the fact that they just faced really good arms and you know the hitting went a little cold at the wrong time yeah no i mean it's i think like 
like you said, the big thing is was probably just the stage itself. I mean, anyone would get that. And I were what twenty four and twenty five. Like I would get nervous playing in front of that many people. And then you know, as you face the better arms, that's more pressure on defense on your own arms, your own defense, your own offense. I think it was just you know, just a lot of just a lot more pressure. And not to say I don't know, but like, yeah, that was a definitely like you kind of I don't know. It's one of those things where they got over the the hump of Aston, and then like now it's you know you're hitting the ground, and you hope you hit the ground running basically. And it was it was a tough start, but. Yeah, that, that I think that walk off double really just like that really got the wheels going on everything. For sure. Uh sectionals overall was a bit uneventful outside of that game. They took care of business pretty handily. The state tournament though was first off just the fact that it was in Delco at Newtown Edgemont was just so cool. I mean, all these moments with the fans there. It's kind of similar to the thing talking about Williamsport the Phillies there like all the thousands of people at Nell were rooting for media, right? So like, you're playing in a state tournament that's supposed to be quote unquote neutral site and you're 12 years old and you got 2000 people like rooting against you. It's, you know, it, it really was a home field advantage for the media guys. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, it's neutral site, but also like one of the districts does host it every year. So, but I mean, honestly, like credit to just Delco in general for just showing out for the guys and like cheering them on. I mean, there was a ton of media fans. I feel like it was like, honestly just like a, you, you talk to a bunch of people from like, all the different little leagues kind of in the area that showed up there as well. Like people just showed out for him and uh, honestly, like it was awesome to see. Yeah. And they had, you know, the first game they, they, uh, they won pretty handily. The second game was the emotional one where chase got hurt and they won. I think it was like four to three over that back mountain team. But after that, man, once chase went down, the offense just went crazy. I mean, they had six home runs in the next game against Northern Lebanon. I think, I think Gratton had two. I think Helberg had two. Nunez and Crowley both had them. And then the state championship, they stayed hot again. Like they had, they were hitting grand slams. Like they, that offense scored, I want to say maybe 31 runs in the last two games of, uh, of states to take care of business there. But the same thing, man, just like they did a really good job at like appreciating, you know, like, hey, the job's not finished, but like step by step, like we got to enjoy these moments. Like you won the first state championship for media since the 50s. And you did it in front of your home fans with all your friends and family there. Like, that's another thing where, like, even if they lost in the regionals, like, you know, they already would have had a successful season. Yeah. I mean, it was, like you said, just playing with house money at that point. And they just kind of like, I don't even know. They've just rolled teams for so long. Yeah. And it was, it was really impressive to see. Like, I, I don't know. I'm not too familiar with like very many teams like full little league runs but i don't think you like see it that much like teams just like roll through i mean they had the back mountain game and it was like aston the radner wayne back mountain and then like the championship game against dc and the regionals were in their first what four tournaments they they had like a total of four teams that they didn't absolutely destroy yeah exactly yeah so uh, we'll move on to regionals here. So I got to go to the first game of the regional against D, um, uh, not DC. That was Maryland, where they got hit by like six pitches, and they oh, limped. Yeah. They limped their way to that win. The second game against DC didn't start off great. They lost. They were down three nothing. They were down three nothing, and they scored ten runs in the top of the second, which was just like, I mean, a shocker to everybody. But I mean, the 
this the moment of the summer, the best without a doubt, unquestionable. I will argue with this anybody. The best moment of the summer was Skrodic's walk off home run to go to the Williamsport. Like that was, yeah. un- that, was, like, that was unbelievable. Oh my god, just being there. So I went to the first game of regionals and the last game, and just being there for that was just absurd. Like the crowd reaction, the post game celebrations. Like it was unlike anything I've ever seen, and. That's just like the the old cliche. Like that's why every kid plays baseball. Like when you're playing wiffle ball in the yard when you're like six, it's because you want to hit the home run, you know, to go to Williamsport. Uh, so that was just like a special moment. And then obviously we've talked about Williamsport in general, just playing on the field and stuff. And I, I hope that I think after that first loss, I think they kind of started to maybe like relax a little bit and have more fun. But you could tell that it, as it looked like it. Be, looked like they, were it. they were tense. I mean, and again, like anyone would be. It's that's that's just an insane, like that's like an unfathomable stage to be on, especially for a kid. Like it's, I don't know. It was so cool to see them out there, but man, like (laughs) being the ones out there playing, yeah, dude. Like it makes sense. They're tense. Yeah, and and you know there are. 20 you know 25 year old 30 year old mlb players who get nervous playing in front of that many people right like it's a lot to ask uh you know as once again as a as a proud media little league alum you know i'm i'm very 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 proud of what these guys were able to do all summer you know they put media on the map it's really it was really cool seeing them like when espn would kind of show like where every team was from just to see my hometown media pa on the map was so cool and I mean, talk about drama for the first year of Delco baseball now of my alma mater, high school and literally playing in the biggest stage. Like nothing really prepares you for that, <laughs> I would say. No, nah, it's an impre- impressive run. Great run for the brand. But um, yeah. yeah, that's it's a lot of very uh, high stress situations this spring and summer. Oh, yeah. And hey, listen, if any media kids uh, are listening to this, you know, come to off the rail in 2033 and drinks are free for life at that point. Yeah, no, that's, that's without a doubt. Yeah. For now, I got you all the Shirley temples and pizza you want, but uh, that'll come out. That'll be a, a business expense, right? Yep. Tax deductible, baby. Yeah, sure. All right, let's move on here to uh, the next segment we got, which is our commitments. We've had a couple of college commitments this week. We got two Bonner guys. So we might as well start with them. We'll start off with Quinn Bryan. He's their catcher. He is going to Wingate University in North Carolina. I won't say I'm too familiar with Wingate, but what I do know is that they won the Division II National Championship in 2021. So he's going to go into an opportunity that you know he can win right away, which is always a good opportunity. Yeah, no, they're uh, Wingate's a pretty good D2 team. That was just kind of being the like college baseball sicko I am. I'm like. I guess I have like a relative knowledge of stuff, but like, yeah, Wingate's been there a lot. That's a really good program for him. Yeah. And, you know, obviously as a catcher, like it's, you're probably not going to play right away, but that's the same at any school just because catcher is such a position where being a veteran and being experienced is, is a lot more important than any other spot. But I mean, I don't think any catcher expects to just walk in and start right away. You can have that mentality that you want to work for it. Absolutely. But it's, you know, it's not something that is like 100% guaranteed. But, uh, you know, he was obviously a big part of the Bonner team this year, a team that went to their third straight state semifinal. Pulling up the uh, the numbers right here, because I believe that Bonner's numbers are public. Uh, 
solid year. He had a, he had a 270 average, you know, 750 OPS, like fine numbers, especially as a catcher you're not necessarily relied on. But uh, as a junior starting a catcher in a, in a good conference like the PCL, I would say those are pretty solid numbers and uh, wish him the best of luck. Move on here. Austin Cannon and Ben, we can attest to this. That dude absolutely crushes baseballs. He will be going. Oh, yeah. to, he will be going to Ryder University in New Jersey. And I remember watching him thinking, you know, low D1 or high D2 was probably where he was going to end up. Yeah. And uh, again, I think that that really makes sense. Like a Ryder's, you know, somewhere low D1, like he'll go there. I think I'll have a chance to play right away. He'll be with uh, Haverford School's uh, Col- Colby McNeely. He was a um, member of the Upper Derby team. He'll be up there. Um, so a little, little bit of Delco connections as well, but like, I think that's a place where he can go up and do really well. So that's that's an awesome, awesome commitment for him. Yeah, and Austin had a great year for Bonner. Hit 372, 984 OPS. He had two home runs, one against Shaler that I, do, I still don't think has hit the ground yet. That ball was absolutely launched. Uh, and I remember at one point when we were doing the Delco Baseball Player of the Week, I think he went like 9 for 10 in a week. Yeah, they, that, was a year, that was a week it went crazy against like Holy Ghost, right? Yeah, I remember. I remember making the graphic, and I'm like, "This doesn't even look real." Like seeing the print and seeing nine for ten, almost just like didn't even uh, didn't even register as being possible. But yeah, happy for him. Uh, don't know him personally. I'd bet my life he is a Drexel Hill Duck next summer, though. Yeah, uh, I think that I think Brian as well. Like the two of them is probably a good bet that they end up there. Yeah, and you know, obviously, we'll, you know, this isn't really the time for this because high school is until the spring, but. Obviously, Bonner's going to lose Kevin McGonigal, but like, this is still a very talented team coming back that uh, that we'll talk about more there. Uh, we also have another low D1 commit. We got Bennett Cox from Marple Newtown. He will be going to Canisius, which I believe is around Buffalo. I know it's in New York. I'm pretty sure it's around Buffalo. Uh, Bennett, congratulations, but I hope you have Under Armors ready to wear. <laughs> Just... I think they got new turf too, so that might be one of those. I, I don't know. It could be one of those things where I need to need to bring a shovel so you can shovel off the snow from the turf when it's time to play. But uh, dude, like, congratulations! That's a it's gonna be cold, but it's gonna be awesome. Yeah, and it's especially cool because Lucian Berger is going to Fairfield. That's the same conference, so they're gonna be playing each other at some point, which is hilarious. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, and I know. Uh, I don't know too. I don't know Bennett personally. I don't know too much about him, but I just remember. When we'd write the game recaps, I felt like it was Bennett Cox and Jason Bennett, you know, along with Lucian in like every single article. I'm like, hey, look, another Bennett, you know, whether it was Cox or or Jason Bennett, like they were just everywhere. Yeah, no, those guys were just always in the, on the stat sheet, just filling it up. Seems like Marple was a very young team last year. They didn't really graduate many, so I'd expect them to have a – I mean, not that they had a bad year this year. You know, obviously an unfortunate – to lose in the first, or uh, I guess technically second round of, of districts, but uh, they obviously have a lot of talent. I mean, you have two D1 commits right there ready to go. Uh, but congratulations to those guys. I'm sure we're going to be seeing more commits come through as the fall goes. And honestly, it's good because that'll give us something to talk about because at this point, really all we have left is uh, the Phillies and a new segment we're going to introduce here talking about our minor league guys. But you know, in the fall, we'll be able to do interviews with these guys, kind of talk to them about like, you know, what they were kind of like, what was the decision making process for them to go to their respective schools? I mean, I think going back for the last few shows, we we might have hit double digits 
in the fall if you count Connor Scanlon, you know, Harry Carr, like these guys that committed a couple weeks ago. Like, you know, we're we're in a great spot and the the school year hasn't even started yet. So I, I would like to think we'll have enough content here. But uh Definitely. yeah. I mean, is is it just me or does it kind of feel like, you know, I'm gonna try to phrase this. So Delco's obviously always had talent. Like there's always been a lot of you know, players that have gone here and done great things. But does it feel like to you there's just like more of a quantity of kids playing college baseball, regardless of the level? I definitely think so, yeah. I, like, I, I'm trying to think back to when I was playing. Like, I, I really don't think there were that many, especially like in my class, like that many. Like, the only team that really had dudes going D1 were, like, it was like Conestoga had a couple guys, I think. Garnet Valley had like Liam Bendo, but like I can't really think of like any other guys, that, especially like from the class I graduated with, that were D one guys. It seems like there's a, a ton more now. But like I don't, I don't know if at least in the Central League, I don't know yeah, if, yeah, in the Central how, League, many, like, how many Division one guys. But either way, I, I would like to think that a lot of that can go to you know, the training facilities around here do an unbelievable job, you know, like MSI or I guess Ascent now, you know, Bell Ringers, Odd Deck, like All-Star, like all these facilities have done such a good job at kind of like teaching these guys early. Like, hey, like if you want to play college ball, like it's so much more than just baseball. Like you got to have your bodies, you know, prepared for that. And I think that, you know, these facilities have done a great job at just helping create a culture of guys that just want to train. Like you go to, you know, that ascent bell ringers on deck, whatever all-star any day in like the winter. And you're going to, you know, you're going to hear music blasting weights, you know, thumping the ground balls hitting barrels. Like I think these guys, you know, have kind of created a culture where these guys are, you know, they're, they're competing with each other, not just on the field, but off the field and training wise. And uh, I think it's, I think it's pretty cool. And I think it's a, a big reason why you're seeing so much talent from around here go further yeah no definitely i think the just the amount of resources uh that always helps and we've this area has been very lucky to have some really incredible like people come in and start up all these different facilities and everything and like really know their stuff and you're starting to you're really starting to see the effects of that now on, on the guys that have come into those facilities for sure. Well, speaking of guys from around here that have made it big time, let's introduce another new segment here. We are going to talk about the Delco players that are playing minor league baseball. So throughout the year, it's mostly been high school, it's been little league, Delco league, whatever. And I feel like we kind of neglected some of our guys playing pro baseball. So now we have a little bit more time to talk about that. And let's start off with the biggest news. Kevin McGonigal is heading to single A Lakeland to play for not the Tigers, the Flying Tigers. Uh, he hit 273 in, I believe, nine games uh, in the Florida Complex League. And for those who don't know how it works, basically you go down, you play rookie ball until they kind of figure out like where you're at, and then they kind of assign you to a team. So him and him and Max Clark are both headed to single A. And, I mean, we knew it wouldn't take long for him to uh, make his mark. Oh, yeah, absolutely, I think. I mean, he he went down and did really well, and you know it, it's good to see him like kind of taking that next step so early, for sure. Uh, so yeah, we'll we'll uh, keep tabs with him on Lakeland. I'm actually not sure if it's high A or low A. I'd imagine low, just because I think that's usually where everybody starts. From I don't the think part of low. A. 
I don't think there's low A anymore. I think there's A and high A. Okay, so oh, it's just or regular. Got it. No, no, no yeah, that so I think he's. Right. I would imagine. I think most guys end up just going to single A. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, so we also have Chris Clark uh, for the Los Angeles Angels. He's our Haverford School guy. So the interesting thing for him, his numbers. I mean, he's only thrown seven innings, but the interesting thing is he started three games. It seems like it's kind of been going like by you know by committee, like he's only thrown seven innings pitched. He's only let up six runs. So it's not like, you know, there's that big of a sample size, but the, I, I think it's very interesting that he's gotten three starts, even if it's for not that long. I think it's something to keep in mind. I don't know what their plans are for the future, but you know, all we can kind of do at this point is pick up patterns. So three games, three starts makes me think maybe they'll give him a shot to be a starter, but uh, it could also be kind of just like, you know, whoever gets the nod at that point to start the inning. Yeah, and I mean, I would assume if he's starting games, they're probably like letting him warm up and kind of go through his routine as a starter. Obviously, like the first summer that these guys like have gotten there after they got drafted, you're probably not going to push the innings that much, just because they've all already had full seasons in high school, college, and Clark's in Clark's case, college. Um, but yeah, I would assume like if they're starting him especially like three games they're looking at him as a starter that that would be my guess but yeah yeah it's going to take more it's definitely going to we'll, we'll see in time for sure uh ethan pecco hasn't had too much work yet and he's let up one run in three innings so really not much to talk about with him down in houston uh tom kane it's you know it's it's kind of continuing the story what we've heard with kane throughout this whole season he struck out 17 guys in 13 innings, uh, he, he's, you know, let up some runs. But I think the interesting thing to notice, he's only walked four guys in 13 innings, which for him, just based off what we saw in Maryland and the Summer Ball League, is is huge improvement. And that's definitely trending in the right direction in terms of, all right, you have really good stuff. Now let's teach you how to use it. Yeah, no, that's – I mean, four walks in 13 innings is just huge for the whip. And it's actually – it's crazy how he's thrown – because he's thrown so much more than the other guys. Yeah, I think it's just because, you know, as a bullpen guy, they just put him out whenever, I guess. Yeah, it makes sense, but it looks like he's thriving, though, which is awesome to see. Yeah. All right, let's talk about – so those were our four guys that were drafted this year. Uh, I also have a couple guys. Now, we have a lot of guys playing the minors, so probably too much to talk about with, you know, everybody. Um, real quick, there's one guy that I didn't originally have on this list that I wanted to – there's this guy, Mark Washington, that went to Episcopal, was an ERA around three with the AAA Dodgers team. Now, Ben and I have off camera talked a lot about who we think will be, you know, the next Delco guy to make the big leagues, because right now there's none currently in the majors. Mark Washington is hurt at the moment. He's only on the seven-day injured list. But man, like an ERA of three in AAA, I know the Dodgers are a stacked organization, but you got to think that he might be inching closer. Yeah, that's especially once you're up in AAA, like you're getting to that point where you're um, someone struggling, an injury away from getting the call. And especially if he's doing really well. I mean, obviously he's you said he's hurt right now, so he's got to get healthy. But yeah, he's he's not far. No, no. And Jim Haley's another guy, uh, Bonner and Penn State alum, who is living the dream, uh, playing in the Phillies organization right now. He's hitting around two sixty with ten homers for Lehigh Valley. Uh, he's, I think, I don't know his exact age. I think he's 28 or 29, 
and hasn't made his big league debut yet. I think that at some point it could be something where, you know, it's unfortunate because Jim's gone from the Tampa Bay Rays to the Phillies and where both organizations were at when he was there, they were just such loaded either farm systems or for the Phillies sake, like, oh, you're an infielder. Well, you're now competing with Trey Turner, Bryson Stott, Alec Bowman, Bryce Harper, right? Like, it's just unfortunate that the situation he's found himself in. But either way, like, you know, I, I was reading an article about him from uh, from the Iron Pigs website, just talking about how he's just like there to do whatever he can help his team win and whatever role you need him to. And I'm like, that's just like a Delco grind set, you know, right there. Yeah, 100%. I mean, he's – they probably have him in there kind of as like that like organizational depth guy who's going to go in and just be an everyday guy for like that. And uh, hopefully that like – I feel like he deserves – he's got the numbers as well. Like, I feel like he deserves to have that payoff with a shot with someone just from – because he's been doing that for a while. Oh, yeah. I'd love to see him go to like, you know, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, Oakland, whatever, just to get his – big league debut that he's earned like that. Uh, I think his name was like Drew Maji, like the, the Pirates guy here. You know, it's like once you've hit that milestone of however long with the, you know, the minor league organization, just to get that opportunity to wear the big league uniform, being the big league clubhouse is irreplaceable. So absolutely hope he gets that, gets that opportunity. Would love nothing more than for it to be with the Phillies. All right, next up on this list, uh, we got to talk about Chris Newell because this dude is on fire this year. He's got 21 home runs this year between the Dodgers, low A and high A teams. He started red hot, like not to say that he's been, you know, bad with the high A team since he got promoted, but he's at the point now where he's basically played exactly like half of his season in low A or I guess single A and half the season in high A. He hit 14 home runs in 41 games for low A. Jeez, I keep saying that for for regular A, uh, and then he sits <laughs> seven in uh, in his forty or so games with the high A team. But man, like it, for your first full year of pro ball to be at a point where he's probably going to end up somewhere in between twenty five and thirty homers is awesome. Yeah, that's no joke, man. And that's even like seven and forty some. Like you're sitting right on that like one in five games, which. I feel like you'd take like, I don't know. I feel like that's like a pretty decent pace for a professional hitter. That's 21 bombs is that's some serious juice. And especially when, you know, obviously Newell's an incredible hitter, but like when I think of Chris Newell immediately, I think of stud defensive center fielder. That's fast with a great arm. So like, you know, if you're hitting seven homers for every 40 games, like that puts you at the end of the season, somewhere in the 20s for homers like if you extrapolate that so i think he's showing them what he can do and i think he's showing why that if he went out of high school and you know told teams that he was going to sign that he was going to go somewhere probably in like the maybe second or third round but ended up just deciding to go to uva which you know obviously that's different like completely you know understand that decision but at the end of the day like he got drafted in the 12th round and now i think he's kind of with the right organization showing like he had, he had those tools all along. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think like it's tough to the, the, the high school versus college, like when, uh, when to sign, um, argument, it's always kind of tough to find a right answer to us. I think it depends on the person, but honestly for him, it seems like going to UVA and then, like he's killing it right now and hopefully that kind of gives him like a good track 
up for yeah. the organization. Yeah, you know, he got to play in the College World Series, so it's not like uh, yeah. he's totally worth it. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some of his Malvern Prep teammates here. So Billy Corcoran, uh, long live the 2014 Nether Legion State Champions. Billy Corcoran is in high A with Arizona. He's playing for the Hillsboro Hops. He's having a solid year as he already in the fours. Uh, but I think the really cool thing is that his former Malvern Prep catcher, Shane Muntz, is also on that team, which is awesome. Yeah, no, that's going to be I – mean, for one, the Hillsboro Hops, incredible minor league baseball man. But, yeah, that's like having your high school catcher, you know, to kind of help you navigate through the <laughs> pro ball and everything. is That's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it says a lot to just the talent that is also at Malvin Prep, too. Yeah. Yeah, Shane Munts, unfortunately, not quite a Delco guy. I, th- I believe he's from Phoenixville. I'm not positive, but, you know, close enough that uh, I would imagine the majority of people that consider themselves like, you know, Delco baseball fans have probably heard his name before considering how far he would hit baseballs while at Malvern Prep uh, and then yeah, Wake Forest as well. So, you know, I'm sure everyone has seen him hit a ball further than most humans will ever be able to. Uh, so, yeah, it's cool. And then I saw another Malvern Prep guy, Jimmy Kingsbury's and Seattle's organization. They played each other, which has to be pretty, pretty special for them. Uh, let's move on here. Another media Little League and Penn State alum like yours truly, Kyle Verbitsky, is having a great year with the, I believe, Aberdeen Ironbirds. In or in the Orioles organization, he's five and one with a three point seventy nine ERA. But the really interesting thing for Kyle is that he has twelve starts and ten relief appearances. It's kind of shown, you know, I, that's awesome though. Like it's shown he's kind of got like that Swiss Army knife type of just uh, versatility, which again, like that's going to help because you don't know what kind of needs are going to show up kind of as you go through your career. So being able to do both is and do it clearly very well is such a huge tool for him. Yeah. Yeah. And I told this, I think I've told this story on the pod before, but we were going to interview Kyle Verbitsky and he got traded that day from Oakland to Baltimore. Like I'm telling you like three hours before our interview schedule, I was scrolling through Twitter and I saw Jeff Passon tweet that Verbitsky was included in the deal that sent Cole Irvin to Baltimore. And I was just like, so I would say mostly shocked because like at this point, like he had just got drafted by Oakland that summer. Like he really didn't, I think it was, I think it was that summer or the summer before didn't really have much time there still in single a. And I was just like surprised to see his name. You know, you usually don't see guys like that low traded uh, for the most part. But I mean, I think that, you know, it's working out for him. I mean, getting to be on the East coast where he can come home more often his family can come see him play, especially as a pitcher. Like they, you know, they kind of know, like, you know, it's a lot easier to drive to either, you know, wherever he is, Aberdeen, which is Maryland, you know, or like playing at the Blue Rocks or whatever, if it's only once a week. Yeah. And that's, I mean, Aberdeen's lack of traffic, probably an hour, just, just over an hour drive from Delco. So like he's, he's not far at all. And I would assume they're in the same like division as the blue rocks. So even that's close to it's yeah. I think being like that move is definitely it's nice to be close to the home. Yeah. Yeah. So they are in the same as the blue rocks because one of my uh, old roommates, you know, that you met Dink, he big Orioles fan and they were planning on going to the, the iron birds blue rocks game to see Jackson holiday. And he got called up the day before they were going to go. And they were pissed. 
they were not happy. They were <laughs> I can't blame happy. you for that. Yeah, naturally. But I mean, well, I don't know if this is a hot take. Jackson Holiday should get called up to the majors for a playoff run. Not going to happen, but why not? Let's get weird. Why wouldn't it happen, though? Just because they don't want to like ruin his development, I guess you could say you don't need him, but whatever it is, um, it's you know it's it's an exciting time to be a part of the Baltimore Orioles organization. I, I that's all I have to say. Like, and for Kyle's sake, it, you know he's kind of, in my opinion, he's kind of in the golden scenario because the Orioles are an incredible form system, but they're very hitter heavy. So it could be something where if he can make his way up to the big leagues, he'll have one of the best lineups in baseball protecting him. Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> He's going to be getting some run support up there. As, as long as the owner decides to keep their guys around. And I don't know if you saw the thing he was saying. Like, I guess it was the other day. He was talking about how they're either going to have to drastically raise prices for everything or not re-sign their players or something like that. Like, just or some you BS. Could, yeah, or you could just sell one of your 12 beach houses and pay your guys more, you know. Yeah. It, billionaire owner. That's any – owner of a sports team talking about like financial struggles is lying to your face. Yeah. There is no small market. You saw a new owner go into San Diego and just immediately start spending hundreds of millions of dollars. Like it doesn't exist. Yeah. Just shut up and spend money and keep people happy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I guess that seems like a good transition into our major league baseball talk. So of course we'll start off with the fight and fills a great series from the San Francisco giants taking two out of three. Uh, every time they showed Gabe Kapler's sad face, you know, it just made me so happy. I was actually at the third game of the series, which, you know, it sucks they lost, but Bryce Harper's home run was awesome to be at. Like, man, for a, a Wednesday afternoon regular season game was electric. That place was packed out for the day and time of that game. It was. It was pretty crowded, and especially – you know, the weather, I mean, it was okay. It was like cloudy. Like it wasn't a gorgeous day, but like, man, it was, it was loud. Like I was there humble brag. I was there for the bedding with the bank game. So obviously I've heard the bank as loud as it can literally get for anything other than a world series win. And obviously, you know, that was nowhere near it, but for that was probably the loudest regular season game environment I've ever heard. If that makes sense, I guess. Yeah, no, that, uh, that wouldn't surprise me one bit. I mean, that was just like an insane. I thought it was over until I like checked Twitter like twenty minutes later, and Bryce Harper hit a three-run home run. The yeah. tie. it was insane. Yeah. So off the bat, where I was sitting, I actually thought it was gonna be foul because, like, I knew. I mean, based off his reaction, that it was either gone or foul, just because, like, you know, like Harper's played this game long enough where if he if he pimps, and he doesn't even really pimp him, he just kind of like slows down. Like when he slows down, like he's ninety nine percent of the time right. Uh, when you can't you can't say that for a lot of guys. That's where Cassianos, you know, holds a, a swing that goes to the warning track like five or ten times a year. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess when you've hit as many home runs as Bryce Harper, you kind of know when you got one. Yeah, but yeah, I mean yeah, the. But- you know, the most exciting moment of that series by far was Trey Turner's walk-off single. You know, it was – you go into that inning, you're down 3-2 against a guy that has incredible stuff like Duvall on the Giants to string that inning together. And Trey Turner, I mean, that ball was smoked. But if it didn't hit that Giants pitcher's glove, I don't know what would have happened. I don't want to think about what would have happened, but it just happened to trickle into the outfield. And 
you know, for a city that's known for their booing, how about the cheers saving his season? Yeah, that it's so weird how that worked. Like it generally just turned it around completely. And uh, that's honestly just, I'm glad it, it really is. Like it was tough to see him struggle as much because you could just see the toll it was taking. And it, it's, it feels really good to like see him back to where he has been. For sure. For sure. And like, cause he was one of those guys who were like, I mean, he's been a top, probably not 10 player. I would say somewhere in the 15 to 20 range in major league baseball over the past, you know, three, four, five years, whatever you want to say. And, you know, you knew that it was going to, the, the switch was going to flip at some point, but it was taking a while for that switch to flip. And it started to, you know, naturally concern fans like last year, you know, obviously Castellanos struggled a little bit, but I would argue that Castellanos is outside of that one year with the Reds has never been better than, you know, Trey Turner. And I'm I, close. And I would say, especially with how good Turner was in the world baseball classic, I think that's really what set the bar so high. Yeah. I mean, though we were, you could argue like he was the best shortstop in baseball going into the free agency period. And then like he had the world baseball classic he did and it just, the expectations were so high. All right, so let's take a look at this upcoming weekend. So the Cardinals will be coming to town. For those who may not have been following baseball so much this year, uh, a usually proud franchise, the St. Louis Cardinals, are god-awful this year, 56-72. and 72. Uh, It'll be Christopher Sanchez and Miles Michaelis on – so we're recording this Thursday night, so it'll be Friday night. will be Michaelis and Chris Sanchez. You might remember Michaelis from uh, his hanging curveball that Bryce Harper destroyed in game two of the wild card round last year. We got Zach Wheeler against Dakota Hudson on Saturday at 715. That's a Fox game getting that national TV slot. And then Sunday is what's up? They still have Dakota Hudson. They do, yeah. And uh oh. and Sunday will be Drew Rom against Aaron Nola. Now Drew Rom has a 14.73 ERA. So he's going seven shutout, right? Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, well, hopefully not, but probably. I mean, I would say that, you know, a sweep would be great. But once again, man, just keep winning series. Like, if you keep winning series, you're going to keep your lead, and that's a really good spot to be in. 100%. That's – I think I think a lot of, especially down, down the stretch, like, winning the series, that's the minimum. If you can sweep, like, you got to take advantage of that. But, you know – Going two and one throughout the way, it's, uh, I think that's going to get you to where you need to be. For sure. Now, the wild card, it's, uh, you know, obviously it's going to be a dog fight for the entire rest of the season. But the Phils, as of right now, are two and a half games up over the uh, the Cubs and the Reds. And, man, like, there's just so many teams you know, Phillies, Cubs, Reds, Diamondbacks, Giants, Marlins are all within two games. And then I'm not counting the Padres out at six games back yet. I'm going to count the Mets out at eight games back. But the Padres are too talented of a team yeah. to just completely write off. I don't think they're going to be one of the three teams. If I was a betting man, which I sometimes am, but I suck at betting, I would probably say it's going to be the Phillies, the Cubs, and the Giants. But with that being said, you know, the Giants really aren't that good of a roster. And as much as I like making fun of Gabe Kapler, his crazy style of managing is kind of the only thing that is keeping this team alive. Yeah, that's I, 
I agree with you. I think the, the either the Cubs or Reds will probably be that. I think the Phillies and Giants will be in there. Cubs or Reds will probably be the second one. D-backs have kind of been trending down. And again, like as good as the Padres are, I, an insane run is like not out of the question, but they are going to have to go like nuclear to just even have a chance at this. No, but you ready for this stat right here? So, so the Phillies have a plus 49 run differential. The Cubs have plus 66. So they have the top two of like the wild card teams. Reds are minus 17. Diamondbacks are minus eight. Marlins are minus 45. The Padres are plus 62. Huh. So the, the, the Padres have a better run differential than the Phillies, which is actually kind of crazy. Awesome. What? Yeah, plus 62 and being 61 and 67 almost doesn't even seem possible. Like they have a stat on here. I don't know how they calculate it, but there's an expected win loss and the, and, you know, the Phillies expected win loss is like one game different than their actual one. Same mm. with the Cubs, whatever. The Padres are 61 and 67, and their expected win loss is 71 and 57. <laughs> like, like, I guess you have to just say some of it's bad luck, I guess. Either that, or I mean, I don't know how that formula works. Like, they could just be like blowing out teams and then just sucking the next. That's day. also true. Well, well the Braves have a plus. The Braves have a plus two hundred fourteen. So, uh, my God, I can't wait for their cheating scandal to come out. Cheating's easy when you hack the pitch com. Oh yeah, I'm telling you, just wait till it's too loud in the bank for them to hear the pitch com in the first place. Make them go back to regular signs. Yeah. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, man. The Phils are the only team that can beat them in a series in the NL. Maybe the Dodgers, but like this team, you know, it can always be a mental thing at this point. Yeah, that's I would. I mean, I wouldn't route the Dodgers' capability yeah. of beating anyone. They're a very good team as well, and they they've they're one that's like I feel like they've been like low key really hot for a while because they didn't start great. No, they didn't. All right, let's uh, real quickly we'll talk about uh, just one team that's been red hot now. Now that you know all the Delco baseball for the most part is done, we'll we'll spend a little bit more time just talking about Major League Baseball as a whole. The Seattle Mariners are, I think I saw like 30-something and 15 in the past two months, and they have just absolutely forced their way into this playoff picture. Now the AL wildcard is a little more interesting. Yeah, that's they came out of absolutely nowhere. Like they were – weren't they sellers at the deadline a little bit? I, I know like Sewell got sent somewhere. I forget if there was anyone else, but – I don't know. They just they picked it up out of nowhere, it seems like. Yeah, and the AL West, you can argue, is the best division in baseball right now. I mean, take away the A's because the A's aren't real. Yeah. But, I mean, Texas, Seattle, and Houston are probably all going to make the playoffs, and they're all, like, one game apart from each other. So I wouldn't be surprised if all three of them make it. And it would be crazy to have a team like Toronto on the outside looking in. really would. Yeah, that would be – I mean, that, that would just be rough for Toronto because right now what? It would be Tampa and then two teams from the West, right? Exactly, yeah. Jeez. And, you know, we're not going to bring up the Wander Franco stuff, but the fact that, like, Tampa might kind of struggle a little bit, like, you know, there's still six games up in the wild card. I would like they, to think they'll probably make the playoffs, but, like, they just lost their best player maybe forever. Like, well, I mean, there's well, a chance he never plays another game again. Forever. Yeah, there's as, a, and, yeah, as he should. If, oh, like, agreed, agreed. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying it's just like a crazy, you know, like everybody 
has obviously, you know, heard about what happened with him allegedly being, you know, in a relationship with a minor, but just like the fact that you signed a player to a 14 year deal. And just like that, he may never play for you again is, is crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's going to suck for the dudes that are coming up through that org now and deserve big contracts. Yeah. I don't think they're ever going to like, the Rays are already kind of a lower money team. Like, I don't think they're ever handing out a big contract like that again after that. Either that or they're doing a really thorough background check. Yeah, not but, not 14 years. They'd have, like, a clause in there or something. Yeah, like, check this if you have not had a relationship with a minor. Yeah. All right, uh, last thing here. We're going to end, unfortunately, on a bit of a sad note. Shohei Otani's torn his UCL. He will not be pitching for the rest of the season. They haven't said if he's going to get Tommy John yet. Hopefully it's just something where he can rehab. Uh, but man, like that, he may have just lost like a hundred million dollars with that. Like there's a chance that whatever team offers him a contract, like I won't say that his two way days are done yet, but man, if he has to get Tommy John again, it might be. Yeah. It, I don't know. I mean, I think you're just seeing the, the toll it's taking on his body. Like, it's it's so much to stress to do, like, one, like, be a position player or, like, be a strictly hitter or be a pitcher. It's so much stress on your body both ways, and you're basically just doubling it. Like, I, it's sad, though, because the more and more, like, the stuff like this happens, like, it almost feels like instead of being, like, this, like, consensus greatest player ever like it's going to be one of those like mythical stories like we tell our grandchildren and it's like no one's going to believe it because he only did it for a couple years yeah no that's that's a good way to put it uh i mean even if he's just a hitter he's still a top 10 hitter in the league so he'll get a good contract it's just like you know he might have gotten like 500 million dollars if he was fully healthy yeah he would have gotten more than that like i someone would have given him like the most, maybe the most money we've seen in a sports contract. Like, had a, like unbelievable money he was in line for, and like, I don't know. I mean, the the, the money's terrible, but like, I just I feel for the guy. Like, it's got to be so fresh. I haven't like dealt with that injury as just a washed up dude. Like, it's so frustrating. I can't imagine when like you're at the highest level and dealing with that for the what, second time in three or four years now? It, it's got to be beyond frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, definitely a mental toll for him. Uh, so the Phillies host the Angels next week. And it's a shame that Mike Trout went back on the injured list and Otani's not going to pitch. Like, from a baseball side, like, yeah, the Phillies, you know, that's a benefit for them. But, like, I want to watch those guys play. Yeah, that seemed to be – I don't know. That seemed to be the whole – like, it was going to be really cool to see those guys come into Philly and now – I don't know. You're going to get hopefully some easy wins out of it, but it, you know, now it's just kind of like, oh, like we're going to see some bench warmers and triple A guys. It kind of sucks how that like switch so quickly. Yep. Hopefully they can uh, take care of business. But unfortunately, that is all we have on the program for today. Uh, we will most likely be able to be back in person for the next time we record. You know, we get things done regardless. You know, it's that. Uh, it's that Delco grind gene that we're all implanted with. You got to get the show done. I don't stop. Yeah, regardless, uh, we will 
I've talked to Tommy Bradley, him and some of the media guys would love to come on the show. They just kind of wanted a little breather. I'm like, oh, absolutely. We don't have to do this for, you know, we're, we're, we run on your schedule, having you guys come on the show. Uh, hopefully we can get that in person eventually. But as always, thank you for tuning in. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Delco Baseball. You can subscribe on YouTube now. Uh, at some point, we're going to start doing like video podcasts, video interviews, stuff like that. So as always, thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.